0: You are now listening to the Supply Chain Secrets Podcast, where we discuss all things supply chain. Hi, everyone. My name is Don Davis. I'm the Senior Vice President of Commercial at Zim and former executive of Hapag Lloyd, CMA,
1: CGM, and NYSEX. Hi,
2: everyone. I'm Caroline Weaver, Senior Account Manager here at NYSEX.
1: And I'm Brian Most, former VP at Walmart and current strategic advisor at NYSEX. Hey, guys. How's it going?
2: Hello. Pretty
0: good. It's it's first, Friday,
1: so I can't complain. I was going to say, it's Friday and it's first pod of, uh, of the new year. So uh, again, officially happy new year to everybody. It's a little late to say that, but hey, it's our, our first one.
0: That's exciting. And 2024, I think is going to be a pretty good year. So I'm uh, really excited about it.
1: And typically, you know, with the new year comes new contracts, conferences, TPM, all that good stuff. So, I mean, you just kind of come right out of the holidays and get right to it, don't you?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, tough time of the year uh, for most carriers because it's tender season. So you're flooded with uh, these massive spreadsheets and filling out cells and transit times and all these fun sorts of things. So it's a, it's pretty busy.
1: Well, I think the interesting part about all of it is, is if you were to go back and listen to one of our podcasts or read articles, what Don, about uh, three, four months ago, um, you would have read things that were completely different than what people are talking about today or what you're probably seeing in tenders, where the idea was, is, hey, 2024 is going to be a year of overcapacity, rate pressure, um, you know, kind of uncertain economy, you know, moderate growth. And hey, look, if you're, you know, kind of a shipper, it's going to be pretty boring, right? Because rates are going to be rates. There isn't anything major going on in the world, and I don't have to worry about anything. But uh, I don't think it's uh, turned out that way, has it?
0: <laughs> no, um, it's kind of funny how tough it is to predict this industry because just when you think that uh, you know things look pretty clear, then you have you know this Red Sea crisis and a Panama Canal drought, and now it uh, changes everything. So it's been uh, an interesting year, and you know who knows what the future holds. But uh, certainly, uncertainty on the horizon seems plausible.
2: The crystal ball in logistics is never quite clear, huh? You think you have an idea of it and it's just foggy and it completely changes.
1: Which I think is the fun part for a lot of us, right? That have been doing this, right? I mean, it's never, you know, never the same day twice. There's always something new to come into. Again, it's a global business. Something's always happening somewhere in the world. But I think it also um, makes it difficult, right? So the uncertainty and unknowns make it really hard for people in the supply chain industry to, to plan, right? I mean, because a lot of what Don is, is talking about is, is people are sending out tenders. They're trying to plan their business for the next 12 plus months, 12 to 24 months, which um, is really difficult when so many things are unknown. I, I mean, you know, me being in the BCO role for so many years, trying to figure out what my forecast is going to be. What's going to change from a sourcing perspective, um, what the holiday might look like, what my peak season may or may not be six or seven months from now is just really hard to predict. But I've got to come up with kind of a best estimate to be able to share uh, with Don and and my carrier partners um, so they can provide some kind of a a service uh, or a contract offering to take care of that. And, uh, And it makes it makes it really difficult. And I'm sure you know, at TPM and uh, Retail Industry Leaders Association, where, of course, there are great agenda topics and there are great things that will be, be talked about broadly in the the general, you know, conference um, uh, sessions. A lot of what happens is, is side meetings and discussions between, you know, carriers and shippers and shippers and shippers and carriers and carriers, trying to synthesize all of this data and the unknowns to try and figure out what kind of a a version of the truth may or may not be. And I think that'll be a lot of what what happens over the next couple of months.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering, Brian, from where you sit, I mean, you have an interesting perspective on the industry and the market and how much do you think um, retailers know how much they're going to ship this year? Because I think, you know, with COVID, it changed a lot of things um you know there's all this ordering and then inventories were really high and then you saw this past year that customers had really bloated mqcs and um you know ended up not fulfilling a lot of those contracts but a lot of it was just a hedge right you didn't know how things were going to change so and you're dealing with data in the past year and the past year was a lot different and today you know certainly hopefully some of that uh inventory is cleared out and people have a better picture but What's your sense on shippers ability to see how they're shipping and what their plans are for the next contract cycle?
1: I think it's still tough. So I have a unique, unique uh, op- opportunity now as an advisor to talk to to many different customers. And as Caroline said, like the crystal ball is probably as cloudy as it's ever been for for so many of them. There is the the benefit of most of of, uh, of the people I talk to that do have, you know, inventory cleaned up. Um, They do have kind of a cautiously optimistic uh, view of of 2024. Holiday season was actually uh, pretty good. You know, customer and consumer seems to be resilient still, even with high interest rates and a lot of the pressure and headwinds uh, against them. Um, But consumer seems to be pretty, pretty resilient. And I think what you'll probably hear or see from many of them, and of course, this could differ by commodity or or by. By by consumer segment, but um, you know, a, a pretty conservative approach. You know, flat to one to three percent type of growth, which is, you know, kind of takes care of of kind of the baseline for for what they need to purchase to 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 kind of make available for for customers. What I think you'll do is is you'll see um, BCOs having to react quicker to what replenishment cycles look like, right? So there'll be the base offering and then based on what early sales um, look like um, or based on how the general economy is going, you'll see replenishment cycles kind of pick up quickly um, and they'll have to react in a way that, um, that maybe they haven't had to before, which sounds fine, again, when um, the supply chain is working as it should and lead times are what they should be, but it's really difficult for a shipper today because say they're putting something on a ship from Asia to um, to the east coast of the US and it's gonna come through the Suez Canal. They don't know if it's going to be the transit that's quoted through the, the, the Suez Canal or there's gonna be 10 or 14 days more cause it's gonna go around the Cape of Good Hope. So if you've got replenishment goods that you're trying to get in to make available to customers because you might not have anything on your shelf, like it makes it really hard to figure out. Yeah, and there's
0: no joy if you're going through the Panama Canal either because there there's a backlog and you know, you can bid on your spot and pay, you know, four million dollars or some exorbitant number, um, and it, it's it's tough. So it's very costly for carriers, and and I think it's, uh, I mean, this makes it very tough as an operator. When you have all these cost headwinds. I mean, even if you go around the Cape of Good Hope, you're going to burn at least $500,000, depending on the ship size, a million dollars more in bunker fuel. You're adding transit time. You're consuming container inventory because now you're lengthening or slowing down the container velocity. So there's a lot of challenges, I think, on the carrier side um, when you think about these things that are happening.
1: Carolina, I know at NICEX, you guys obviously are interacting with a lot of different customers. I know you do different polls on LinkedIn and, you know, you get insights, like what, what are you, what are you hearing?
2: Followers, you know, are you prioritizing price or performance, trying to get a sense of that um, as we're going into the contract season and the results were that 53% of the respondents said price. Um, so slightly in favor of having a more uh, favorable price, but it's about even.
1: That would be consistent. Uh, again, you know, unique, um, you know, position for me talking to to many different customers. I think going into, um, you know, this year thinking that there was going to be overcapacity and there was going to be rate pressure. You know, I think there were a lot of BCOs thinking about about price. Um, but to be honest with you, um, you know, I've I've kind of offered caution um, to that that approach. Right. Things are different now than they were, you know, three months ago. Um, and like I, the, the example I gave earlier about you know trying to you know replenish you know inventory and stock, especially if you're going to run you know lean, um, you've got to be really thoughtful if you're prioritizing price. Because I'm sure Don will attest that uh, if if you're a customer that goes for you know the lowest possible price, uh, your service levels may may not be the best. To be quite honest with you, you might not get prioritized and. I think just in in life in general, sometimes right, you get what you pay for. Um, so I think you know focusing on price um, could be could be risky. To be be quite honest with you, obviously price has to be important, but there's got to be a performance component. I think that 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 man that that comes in there pretty pretty heavy in terms of the weighting, uh, especially if if you're trying to serve customers. But but Don, I, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me that uh, there are companies out there that are going to focus on price. And um, I don't I don't really feel like that's too unusual. Um, I think from a carrier perspective, you really want to find those customers that want to build partnerships, Um, because when you're building a partnership, then you feel like this is more of a longer term relationship. It's not going to be so transactional because the cost to change can be high sometimes and if you're chasing price you could just see a whole new carrier mix in your portfolio and you know that makes it difficult i mean i think that you know over the past couple of years i mean service has been tough and you know carriers were not running on time and there are a lot of good reasons why they couldn't weren't able to provide a service on time but i think when times are tough um it it's important to have a relationship and to think about performance because then you know carriers can't help everybody i mean believe it or not, you know, these, these massive ships with, you know, 20,000 TEUs, you just can't accommodate everybody, but some you can. And the people that are going to get help are those that have one good relationships, but two, aren't the ones that are chasing price all the time, because it just doesn't make sense to say, well, I'm going to jump through all these hoops, and you're going to leave me tomorrow because you're transactional. So I think it's important to be aware of, I mean, maybe part of your, your carrier portfolio says, well, this is going to be my price guy, but these are the people I'm going to rely on for service. But to me, I think you have to have a component and it's important for shippers to partner with carriers that value, have that value of service delivery, because again, there's going to be times where it happens that we started at the top. We had no idea what this year was going to look like and things have changed a lot. And today from where I sit, no one knows how long this thing's going to last. So, you know, you're going to need to have those relationships with carriers because I think it's going to be helpful in the long run because when things start to go haywire,
1: you're going to have an outlet to have some help. I think you make so many good points there. And again, it's hard because so many people think in, in the short term of what's happening now. And it's actually what, what, again, I'm working with with some BCO customers on is 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 really what's the what's the longer term approach here. And, and when some people want to say long-term strategy, sometimes that means Three years, sometimes it means five. It really doesn't matter the duration, but it's saying, look, we've been doing this now long enough to know that there are going to be constant rolling supply chain shocks. Right. So this idea of saying, again, you need to build this resilient, diversified network. You've heard it time and time again. But for whatever reason, people, you know, again, aren't committed to doing that over the long term. And your 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 comment about this portfolio approach to your your business partners or your business in general is one that I, I really advocate for and like, and, and so in a, this 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 saying of saying, okay, if we are going to focus on on price or spot market, you know, what is the right percentage? I'm going to commit so much of my business in longer term contracts, 12 months or beyond. There's a portion that I'm going to put in, you know, in the spot market, but long term, I'm looking at overall supply chain performance, right? Because you know we've talked about this before. I may save a couple hundred bucks on price on an ocean freight rate, but because of the 14 additional days of lead time, because I didn't get on the ship I wanted or I missed you know, the connection in Algeciras or who knows what, that 14 days of inventory just cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars versus the couple hundred dollars that I thought I was going to save on the ocean freight. And long term, that just doesn't pencil. Right. And so this idea of looking long term, finding these savings um, with taking out lead time, with creating, um, you know, reducing variability without, you know, doing all these things that ultimately lead in better sales, better customer satisfaction, better in stocks. But you've got to be committed to this long term process and long term carriers and find a balance between price and service that works to make to make this actually come to life.
2: Well, and you're also kind of banking on the prices going down long term, but we're seeing all of these shocks to the supply chain, you know, just in the last four months. It's hard to know, like, what else could happen, what more could go wrong kind of thing. Um, so you could end up paying more later on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense in some ways to say, you know, there's downward pressure on rates because, you know, there were $20,000 not too long ago. So, OK, that's a little crazy. Um but now as rates have come down, now they, they went to a very low level and one that was not sustainable for the carriers. And, you know, you take the market rate and, you know, if you say, I don't know, it's less than $2,000 to the West Coast, let's say, um, which is not a sustainable rate. And if you think about in, you know, when things were normal, that wasn't a sustainable rate. But then you start to put on top of that that costs have gone up for the carriers there's a lot of cost headwind you know i mentioned that there's you know whenever they're going through a canal both have become more expensive they've had to on hire more containers because guess what containers are being consumed because they're either jammed up outside the canal or the panama canal or they're going around the cape of good hope so you know when there's cost headwind for carriers and then you start to see results coming out you know half lloyd just posted their result O and E posted their result I think HAPEG was a $300 million loss for the quarter. And, you know, they still made a profit last year, but that's on the back of what happened during COVID. You know, they're if they go through three quarters of, or four quarters of a $300 million loss, you know, that's just not going to work for them or or any carrier for that matter. I don't mean to pick on them. They just posted their results. That's why I mentioned it. But the, the point being is that you can see it in the results. And usually when these things start to happen, then carriers start to react to it. So they're a their willingness to go back down to these very low levels, I don't think it's there. And on top of it, if you're if you're a price shopper and you're just waiting for someone to give you a good offer, I mean, on the one hand, I think you're going to have a hard time finding it. But two,
1: you know, you're probably not going to be treated too well when, again, as things go on throughout the contract cycle. Yeah, Caroline, any perspective or insight from a contracting perspective? Are people looking short term, long term? What do you have any insights there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're looking more towards consistent, reliable performance, um, being able to depend on their partners to get their goods from point A to point B. Um, and that's something that we're helping with right now. Um, we have a new product, proactive performance management. And within that, you're able to see a scorecard of how your carrier partners are performing. So seeing, you know, your estimated transit time versus your actual, um, seeing the standard deviation of the days it take, uh, takes for your cargo to get from point a to point b so you're able to really drill in to see what is the most reliable where am i getting a lot of value out of my partners um and those sorts of insights are helping to inform the strategies going into the new contract season
1: well you just hit on a huge um you know huge part of the process so you know again when i'm i'm talking to to shippers and bcos about this longer term process there might be a commitment to this this long-term strategy or this approach, but then you know what kind of tools do they have to help them ensure that they are executing upon this strategy or approach? And that's where some of the challenges come in to this industry is, is there just haven't been a lot of those tools or technology uh, available to them, quite honestly, right? I mean, there's kind of the idea of saying, I'm going to commit to this long-term plan, We talked earlier with so many variables and so many unknowns that plan is going to change without a question you know so how do i you know kind of keep track of what's happening operationally within like you know a two to four week window where you know shipments are actually being booked and shipped and arriving right how do i kind of keep track of am i you know doing what i'm supposed to do is the carrier doing what they're supposed to do And are we, you know, kind of mutually benefiting from what we said we wanted to do in this longer term contract? And if we're off track, like, how do we get back on track, you know, for for the balance of the contract or vice versa? But if you can't see that and you can't see it soon enough, then you can't react to it and you can not address root causes and you can't fix some of the problems. Um, You know, ideally, you'd love to get to that state. But, you know, Don, unless you have tools and you have reporting and visibility, that's Really hard to have like meaningful conversations when you get together with your customers. Yeah, um, I, I love that that you know Nisex
0: is headed in that direction because I think that's so important for the carriers. I mean, first of all, I think it's good for carriers to understand like which shippers have this value because you know we talked that you know some are price sensitive and you would assume that maybe they don't they're not as interested in making sure they they're performing the way they're in, they, they were thinking they were. Um, but from a carrier point of view, it's it's great to hear that there's shippers that want to do that because, you know, we're on the carrier side, you're not always sure how you're being measured. It feels like it's heavy on price and nobody cares if you don't offer the lowest price. Um, but if there's these other things that, we're, that carriers are being measured on, for instance, on your performance, on your on-time arrivals, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, that's great because that creates some focus within the carrier community on, okay, we have to have these deliverables. But for a long time, it just felt very anecdotal. You know, you might move 10,000 containers and you have one that's delayed somewhere in, I don't know, Turkey or something. And now you're measured by that and you're a bad carrier as a result. And it's like, look, I moved 9,900 containers. Great. And I just had these few that, that screwed up. So I mean, and and just to be able to talk about that and say like, you know what, we're not perfect. We are going to have some problems here and there, but you can see that 90% of the time by and large, we perform well. I mean, that's really super valuable, but it's just a question of like, whose data do you use? Because, you know, a lot of times from the carrier side, data that you hear, you're like, hmm, I'm not really sure that's, how do you even know that? Like, so it's, it's hard to trust what you're seeing. And again, it tends to focus around the really bad thing that happened and not the overall performance.
2: Yeah. I think some of the feedback that we've gotten um, is really hearing from the shippers say, you know, I can see this in hindsight, like when it's said and done, like I I can get those results eventually, but part of the value of uh, proactive performance management is this early warning system. So being able to see things as they're happening, you know, you have your allocation split that you come up with as you're coming up with your contracts with your carrier partners, but that can change throughout the year for various reasons just being able to disseminate those updates and be able to track them as it's happening, being able to see, you know, what do I have confirmed bookings for the upcoming week? Is it going the direction that I want it to? Um, so beyond just the scorecard with transit times, it's also things like, you know, how often are my bookings getting rejected? Um, where's my allocation going? How's it getting booked? When there's uh, potential vessel rolls, that sort of information is being pushed to you. So you can see that ahead of time. Um, And it gives you a lot more um, power to make decisions that help you ultimately and and meet your goals as a shipper.
1: And I think as a shipper, that's all you want, right? I mean, you you love the idea to say, I just want to be able to evaluate what my alternatives are at this point so I can do the trade-offs. Okay, I had it planned on this carrier, on this vessel to depart on this day. At least I know I had it, like I'm disappointed that it's not going to happen, but at least I have two other viable options that I can make a decision on and a, if I have 24 hours or 48 hours to like consult with some people internally or maybe call the carrier or who knows what but at least you have like you feel like you have a li- little bit more control over your your destiny and then based on the decision you pick if there is a trade-off you can let people know in advance right that says hey it's either going to be hey it was going to be 14 days late now it's only going to be 3 days late or it's going to be 3 days early or you know, the price was going to be this, but it's going to be that now. Whatever the, the change is, at least you can plan for it and account for it. And as a shipper, it makes all the difference in the world to be able to communicate to your other supply chain partners uh, along the way so they can be prepared and ready. Because one, it allows, again, you to have a better service and ultimately you lower cost because when you're reacting to things, that's when things get expensive. When you don't know what your options are, when you don't have much time. Um, And you can't do the analysis on what are my trade-offs? And you just say, just go with that option because it's the best one. And it might be like an air sea option where you bring air freight into it. And maybe you didn't need to do that because you had another option that, you know, saved you, you know, three days. And it could have saved you, you know, thousands of dollars versus the air sea option. So, you know, I think that kind of insight, that kind of technology is going to be really, really important um, to shippers, both short and long term. Yeah, and if I can just jump in and provide a carrier perspective,
0: I mean, I I really like the idea that somebody who's impartial, neutral, just measuring the data that comes in, the data's coming from the carrier themselves and using that to provide the shippers is terrific because, again, a lot of times data we get or data we see just comes from some, I don't know, I feel like it's an anonymous source, like somebody said it, but it's just this data that you you don't necessarily trust because it's like how how can that be true and how would you even get that data and and it's not the same data that you have as a carrier so as soon as you have this mismatch and i can't tell you how many times it's like okay how many containers did you ship last month oh i shipped 400. oh i show sure you shipped 250. and and you start going through this and when you when you don't have the same numbers from the from the jump it's a little hard to then start talk about like percentages of on time and and how you really perform because You're just using two different data sets. And so it feels like you just walk away and you're like, drug, you know, I want to be better. And and I can say with all seriousness that carriers want to be better. It's just a matter of like, help me help you give me a data set that I can use and trust. And uh, someone who's going in that direction is is exciting because, again, we just want to have a level playing field and not some, you know, data that, again, you just don't feel comfortable looking at because you can see some discrepancies from when you start looking at it.
2: Yeah. And proactive performance management is a tool both for the shipper and the carrier. Um, you're able to see it on both sides of the equation. That way everyone's talking the same language and, uh, reading from the same sheet of music, if you will.
1: Which again, you know, is, is really hard to achieve, but really great things happen. You know, if you can, if you can get to that, um, because you spend less time, right. Arguing about whose numbers are right or wrong. And if I, as a shipper, really did ship 250 less than I was supposed to, like, let's talk about why. Like, so then the next question is, isn't like whether that's right or wrong. It's like, let's figure out why that was. Is it because I tried to book with you and you rejected it? Then, you know, we have a a, a thing to figure out. Like, why did that happen? Maybe I booked on the wrong vessel. Maybe I bet booked, you know, too late. Who knows? There could have been reasons why the booking was rejected. Maybe there wasn't. But either way, you can start to figure out maybe the factory didn't produce it on time. But like there are things that you could say, all right, we can fix these. We can address these. These, you know, you as the carrier take, I'll take back mine. And then hopefully when we meet next month or next quarter, like it'll be, you know, it'll be significantly improved. And then me as a a shipper, then I can manage my own supply chain and then I can communicate that internally, you know, how well we're doing. And are we actually helping ourselves like be a better partner to carriers? Because long term, you would think we would get better service and price for doing that. Um, And you can't do that with without the data. But like if I'm making like contract decisions or purchasing decisions, like you said earlier, Caroline, performance has to be a part of it. You want to be sure that that data source is consistent and fair because you could be making purchasing decisions for millions of dollars on one carrier or the other. And man. I want to just be sure that I'm doing that in a fair and consistent way. Yeah, and that
0: that point you touched on, Brian, about you know, if I'm able to do this, do I get a better service? Do I get a better price? And I think the answer is yes, because you know, shippers that can demonstrate they have more reliability, they have a lower cost to serve. And from a carrier standpoint, if I need less resources to manage a shipper. Then I can start to think about that differently. It's just a question of again, how do I measure it? And it goes back to that point of you know these data sets you get and you know I think it was uh, Mark Twain that said, you know there's three kinds of lies, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics and um, and that's just really comes from people being selective on what data they want to show. like I don't want to show you the full picture. I just want to show you this thing that makes you feel bad and that way I could say of a bad performance might be a little hyperbole in there but i'm just trying to make the point that these things do happen and when they do it just doesn't lead to an effective or productive discussion because again you don't trust the data if you can get data that everyone can agree to and in a way that is helpful for everyone i mean i feel like that's really exciting
1: well caroline you've got your work cut out for you over there at nyshek so uh, obviously there's benefit for everybody around um You know, now we just need to get people to try it and adopt it. And uh, I think we'll have, obviously, much more meaningful conversations throughout the year. Because, again, um, it doesn't look like it's going to be as easy of a year as as people thought. I think uh, it's just one of those things that you just need to be prepared at any point in time for something to happen like this. And the better prepared you are, obviously, the better you're going to be able to perform long term. But, um, well, hey, look, guys, I think this was a great discussion. That's for sure.
0: Well, and, and I just want to touch on, you know, because we have TPM coming up and I think a lot of us are going to be there. And I think NYSHIX is going to be there. And can you talk a little bit about like what people can see? Because, you know, we've been talking a lot about like what you can do and, you know, people might feel like, OK, that's far off in the future. You know, I'll I'll look at it from my spaceship because uh, but by the time I'm my spaceship, you'll have this product. But but maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, what to expect at TPM, because it might be a good opportunity for people to look into this and say like "Oh I didn't even know this was an option um, what, yeah. what 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 can they expect?
2: Yeah, um, so we're ready we're uh, excited about TPM. We have a, a good team going um, and we'll have a demo available that we can show you all you know live in the platform, uh, you know not drawn out on paper. Here's a unicorn that you could expect in the future, so uh, definitely stop by if you're curious to see what we're, what we've been talking about and how it all looks and works.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. I will definitely stop by and uh, check it out uh, because I'd love to see it and just love to catch up with everybody. It's usually um, an intense week, uh, but uh, one where, you know, a lot of great things happen because you get great insight in the industry and you can see
1: new tech that's out there. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Me too. It's going to be awesome. Well, uh, guys, I think this was a really good discussion. I always appreciate, uh, you know, I always learn something. But uh, I tell you what, uh, I'm I'm ready to kind of get back out again and see everybody. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun uh, fun couple months.
0: All right. Well, great show. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Don't forget, rate us, review us wherever you find our podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you download our show. So have a good week, everybody, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Supply Chain Secrets
1: Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app.